If you're growing a business or just thinking about launching a startup, this is definitely the podcast for you. This is Fast Forward, brought to you by Tech Manchester. We support early stage tech focused businesses. Each week, we'll dive into the issues that we know keep entrepreneurs awake at night. We'll chat to experts who'll share their tips and advice on how to handle everything from raising finance, making your first hire, to getting your company noticed on social media or in the press. Running a business is a roller coaster. It's exhilarating, but it's pretty damn scary at times too. We're here to help you get your business off the ground and hopefully get a better night's sleep. It's hosted by me, Patricia Keating, Executive Director at Tech Manchester. Standing in a tin shed, waiting for a van to come. Oh friend, have you seen where my golden tickets Welcome back to the Fast Forward Podcast. As many of you will be all too aware, profit is the lifeline of any small businesses. As your profits increase and become more predictable, your small business has a much greater chance of surviving. Every day really does count when it comes to turning and increasing your profit margins, and the quicker you can do it, the better. Alex Analaja is the co-founder of digital marketing agency TAD360, He's our guest today. Welcome, Alex. Thank you very much for having me. Um, he's a prominent uh, mentor, author, and has been named in the top inspiring, prominent and influential voices in UK black tech. He's an expert at coaching SMEs to grow business awareness and maximize profitability. And he's joining me today so superbly to share his top tips to make 2020 your best year yet. Alex, you have joined us on the Tech Manchester Mentoring Programme. Yes, um, I have. But we've come across each other over the last year through a variety of different uh, diversity initiatives. That is correct. And we're so delighted that you've come to share your expertise with our wider audience uh, today. Um, But we always like to get a bit of uh, background of the guest in the chair and why you're here talking about this particular topic. Um, So I wanted to look uh, behind your consultancy business that you launched in 2017 and a bit of your own career journey and how you ended up launching that business. Can you take us through that? Yes, I I can. Um, For me, it was quite different from the beginning. um, I actually initially graduated as a IT student Uh um, at the University of Bolton. Um, But I made a very big mistake because I never liked school from day one. So I only just went to just get a grade so I can leave it to my parents and say, well, I've done it now, so can you leave me alone? Did your parents uh, put you under pressure to go to well, university? Well, everyone in the family are actually all highly educated, like yeah. even to PhD level in some cases. So I felt... Wow, your you parents? Know, well, uh, my mom is, um, I think she did to master's level. My yeah. dad is currently thinking about doing his PhD. Okay. Uh, so, and I obviously I came up from families who were principals and teachers and things yeah. like that so it's always been in the family to very be, high expectation. yeah so um if you're not a lawyer doctor or something like that yeah. uh it's often disregarded so if you say you're like a social media marketing specialist they go yeah. what's that <laughs> um, <laughs> go and get yourself a proper job <laughs> yeah <laughs> even to, to today my mom still always asks me like what exactly do you do and yeah. i'm like it's difficult to explain it's just you know those yeah. hard stuff follow you everywhere you go like we kind of the people behind yeah. it she goes you know the creepy people <laughs> yeah she goes is that really a job like does it pay well i'm like well 
you know, it's been paying my bills for however yeah. long. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so um, going back to the question, basically. Um, so I unlearned everything I, you know, had back then mm-hmm. um, from IT. Not like you literally forget everything, but I just kind of uh, left that behind and uh, started doing self-education. And uh, always had passion for selling anyway, um, putting products in front of people, taking products to the market. Um, so what I did basically is I took on courses from people like um, Neil Patel, um, some of that key um, respected people within the online marketing space. And quickly I started calling up businesses because I couldn't get a job actually in the IT space. That mm-hmm. was frustrating enough. I applied for nearly 1,000 jobs. And wow. the last job interview basically, uh, most of them I don't even make it to the interview. But luckily for me, the last one that actually made it 1,000 actually got me to the interview stage. Mm-hmm. And when he said to me, he said, unfortunately, and when they use that word a lot, like unfortunately or I'm afraid, usually it doesn't really end well. Yeah. <laughs> they just congratulate you and tell, tell you, yeah. we wish you all the best. We still keep your data on our database and we'll you know, yeah. revisit in the later future, which we all know that never happens. Um, so I told him that day, I said, thank you very much for um, helping me make the biggest decision in my life. Mm-hmm. And that day literally changed my life uh, because that's the day I actually started doing self-discovery and went into the whole marketing space. And what I realized very quick after completing the, the self-education course was a lot of businesses actually just know their product, but they don't know the customers. They mm-hmm. don't even know the route to the market because the route to the market is now changing. Um, so I I was challenged basically to call the first three local businesses around me and tell them their website is rubbish. Um, <laughs> Those which, yeah, well, well, <laughs> uh, which is, uh, you know, you had some few people just go, what? And just drop the phone kind of thing. Uh, but I uh, I didn't, obviously, I didn't stop. I kind of carried on. and Yeah, you picked three that weren't actually any good. Uh, absolutely. Like literally the rubbish, the website is literally not mobile responsive. It's um, mm-hmm. slow. It takes about, one of them actually took three minutes to load. I'm like, in today's world, that's very, very slow. Um, so eventually, I, after like about numerous calls, I eventually picked up the first three customers. And I told them, I said, if I can actually help you grow your business online, would you be prepared to pay me three months in yeah. basically once it's completed? Yeah. And they go, sure, you know, it's free. So why not? Um, so basically, I did my first three. They were happy with the result. They started referring me to other businesses that are in the same space and you know, slowly I started picking up the momentum. Like, oh, this is nice. It's paying my bills, and it, I actually enjoyed doing it. Yeah. Uh, so, fast forward a few months, a uh, few months later, like about twelve months down the line, I started noticing something that I didn't actually really like, which was um, every time they, when I finish my consultation, I'm not really providing the solution. I'm providing the strategy. Mm-hmm. So. To execute it, I have to bring in people like graphic designers, yeah. web designers, and et cetera. And eventually they kept saying, oh, you know, it's not really helpful because we have to keep invoicing different people and dealing with different people. We prefer to just do with one person. Yeah. And that's kind of slowly how I started transitioning from being a consultant into actually becoming an agency. Yeah. And uh, there, that's how we got there. Can we just pause for a second mm-hmm. and go back to what you said there about... Um, applying for a thousand jobs yes. and not making it to the interview of 999 yes. that, that must have been a, like that's an incredible amount of resilience well um, well, after one year of depression trust me <laughs> it breaks you down after a while yeah. uh, because uh, is that the impact that it had yeah literally I, uh, between 2013 to 14 literally I was in a total breakdown 
Um, at the time, I didn't even know it was called depression. Yeah. I just thought it just didn't feel like getting out of bed. You know, like that song. Yeah. Like today, I don't feel like doing anything. It was my favorite song. I'll try that twelve months. Um, and um, it, it's just because you just keep applying and applying, but you already mm. know the outcome. But it's just like you just feel like I just have to do it just to show that I'm, you know, I'm capable of doing something. But yeah, you want to prove them wrong. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. But no one was really give, willing to give you the chance. Um, mm. I called my university lecturer at the time and I said, how did you do it? How did you, like, when you finished um, uni, how did you get into the workspace? And he mm-hmm. said, oh, you actually just applied for a job in a call center. And from the call center, you actually go into the IT department and it worked its way up that way. Yeah. Uh, but this was, like, probably because learning years ago. Yeah. Um, so that principle does not really apply in today's world. So I applied for, actually, I actually applied for call center jobs as well. I worked at O2. They called out in Berry. I worked for John Lewis. I worked for Yodu all call centers. But what I quickly realized was um, all the IT departments are actually all outsourced. Yeah. So some of them are in Liverpool, some of them are in, you know, fire places. So that principle was not really working for me. So I just kept driving and, you know, kept trying to push myself mm. to, you know, just to show people that I am capable of something. But unfortunately... Um, that wasn't the right path. It right? wasn't the right path for me. So I had to find myself, which kind of led me to how I wrote the book as well. It wasn't yeah. that dark times that I actually started experimenting on myself and um, yeah, by the end of that year, my book was complete, but I couldn't publish it because I was broke. <laughs> so. Just before Kindle and yeah. all that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, they're, they're there now. Um, and we're going to talk about the book. Um, but I would imagine, you know, before we move on, those experiences in the call centres mm-hmm. um, must have given you that insight to the customer. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, uh, because it's a customer um, is a customer service environment. Mm-hmm. So often what you find is you are, you find out how to communicate with the customers to actually defuse situations because often you probably get someone calling in very frustrated about something and you have to kind of quickly, you know, speak to them in a way where they feel like you're actually on their side rather than on the side of the service provider. Mm-hmm. And from there, start taking their hands and clearly showing them, listen, there's actually a connection between the service provider and yourself. You just look at it from a wrong different, uh, from a, a different uh a point of view and slowly obviously convey them into agreeing into whatever you you know you're trying to propose to them yeah uh, so phone handling skills was actually you know i developed that from there um i also moved slightly into their sales department because you have to upsell and cross sell sometimes and um that also taught me a lot around sales like you know how to sell anything to anyone really because i was self-education at, uh, sorry self-educating at a time as well so mm-hmm. i could actually connect the what reality basically what I'm actually learning. And one thing you actually find around sales especially is um people people prefer to um to think they know the customer, but in reality you've got three type of customers. So you've got the um the brand lovers, okay, they'll they just love the brand, they just like the whole culture, everything about it, and they'll buy. You've got the logical buyers who are basically they have to justify why they have to buy whatever they're buying. So it's like, oh, it's too expensive. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not the right spec. It has to be, you know, this specific, yeah. specific spec. And you've got the ones that actually like a one-line stand. <laughs> they don't really, care. they don't care whatsoever uh, about that brand. It's just, yeah. I've got the money in my bank account. This is what I need. I need a phone. Basically, I need yeah. it right now. My phone is just broken. Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, uh, and, not the one I stand, though. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, that, that's the best I swear, mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, you might catch them later on, like 12 months down the line again. They might, you know, repeat yeah. the business for you. But it yeah. takes a lot to actually get them to that point because mm-hmm. it's it has to be like, I want it it's now. communication style, Absol- Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you can actually differentiate 
that, then the way you actually communicate to your target audience actually changes. Yeah. Um, and that's some of the things I've actually drawn from that. Yeah. It's like jungle gym of career, isn't it? You don't just Absolutely. go on a hockey stick. That's very um, correct. Highs and lows. Absolutely. Um, so let's talk about the book. Yes. Um, tell us about it. What's it called? And right. Um, and it's about finding your purpose. Is that Absolutely. Right? So that's, please that's tell correct. us about it. So, um, What's it called? It's called Lost and Found, um, The Secret to Finding Your Hidden Potential in 30 Days. Um, and the reason why I made it very short and concise um, was I don't like reading. I'm dyslexic. Um, so I've always avoided reading books, any cost necessary. Literally, my mom used to buy me books, novels also, just to kind of encourage me to read. And what I often do is I give it to somebody who likes reading and tell me, tell them to tell me the story after that. So mm-hmm. in case my mom actually asks me, like, have you read a book? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And when she say, oh, so what happened this side? And well, yeah, I start, you know, regurgitating everything I've been told. So um, until later on when I grew up, that's when she had to realize oh, that was all exactly what I was doing. But it worked for me at the time. I'm, Did you know that you were dyslexic? Unfortunately, I didn't find out. How far I was just taken dumb. Like, they've always called me from mm-hmm. day one. Um, I've never been that person that actually gets the straight haze. I've always been on the F F parallel, F minus, even yeah. if that exists in the UK. Um, even all the way from um, back home when mm-hmm. I was um, living in Nigeria. Um, I've never been that smart guy. I've always been... Um, no, you are smart. Well, <laughs> at the time... <laughs> how you know, people I, would have perceived it I, at Absolutely, the time. because at the time, everything was academically structured. Yeah. And there's no such thing as entrepreneurship, even though I was doing it back then without even realizing that's what's actually called. There's no such thing as... Um, uh, a different style of learning, like, you know, the visual learners and yeah. the... Um, Audible, uh, audio. Audio learners yeah. and things like that. So there was no... Um, there was no... Especially in an academic family where everybody's uh, such high achievers. It's it's actually different in Africa, actually, uh, yeah. because in one day, you're doing nearly about seven classes. Mm-hmm. So that's maths, English, biology, geography, agriculture, mm-hmm. like so much in one day. So it's like everyone now yeah. keeps switching classes and everything. So it's quite a lot to take in. Yeah. And um, a lot of textbooks. Yes, as, absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of things that they actually to actually go read. And mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, I hate it. <laughs> so, <laughs> Did you get like marked as a as a troublemaker? Because of Yes. That? Often, often I, I find myself in trouble a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, even the worst one was when I was actually in an exam. And I blanked out, uh, couldn't write anything. The only thing I could write was just my name. Um, and that was only because I've actually tried to study all night that I stayed awake even yeah. up until the exam and it just got to the exam point and I literally just blanked out. Um, and often it, it, it's quite difficult right? because um, I submitted the exam because there was nothing I could do and literally I got in trouble a lot for it. I got even mm. physically abused for it. Uh, because they just saw it as I was wasting my parents' money. Yeah. Uh, because I was, it wasn't a Mocking public them. school. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, so, and they are fully aware as well that I've uh, been uh, appointed with um, extra curriculum activity teachers yeah. around English, biology, and etc. So, um, I went on like that, but I, I, at some point, proved them wrong. Um, yeah, got, you went to university and got well, a degree. <laughs> even before I even got to university. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Well, <laughs> even before I actually got to the university, um, you know, it just it gets to a point where you just go, I've had enough of all of you. Because, you know, I get, you know, um, shamed on the assembly mm-hmm. because they literally call you out. So yeah. every um, low-hanging fruit member of the of the school basically get called out on the assembly and you actually get physically abused. 
wow. on the assembly kind of thing. I've, I've even still got the tattoos corporal. already. I take it, um, <laughs> is it corporal punishment? That's yes. what we used to so, call so it? So yes, that, 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 that's correct. Yeah. Um, and um, you get your ass whipped, basically, okay. <laughs> in the most... Um, 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 yeah. I can't even explain it. It's just, you know, every time I just look back to it, I just think no one should actually have to go through that. Um, and fast forward anyways, um, there was a day basically where we had an exam. It was math. I like numbers. Um, and I just thought, you know what? I need to prove to everyone that I'm actually more than this. Okay. So the exam basically was like one of those 14 questions, for, sorry, 15 questions. And at the end anyway, there was only two people that actually got 14 out of 15 mm-hmm. out of a class of, um, I think they've got subclasses. Like, yeah. uh, but out of a class of 200, there was only basically two people that actually got 14 out of 15. And when they actually mentioned the first person's name, it's obvious it was the most like, Smart person. smartest person. Whoever that is. Yeah. And when they mentioned the second person's name, everyone's jaw was on the floor. It was you. It was me. Um, which I I was never even expecting Mic it. Mic drop. <laughs> I was not even expecting it. But the moment that... Or I, pencil I, drop yeah, or whatever. The moment I had... I, I just literally walked out of the class. Mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, that's it. I've proved my point and I don't have to prove it again anymore. Um, and yeah, uh, that that was then. But it just goes to show that, you know, everyone is actually different. Um, I actually didn't even get diagnosed even when I came into the UK as well. Like it wasn't... Cause, cause when I was, did she get diagnosed? Well, I got diagnosed in my final year of uni. Okay. So it's like, because I was brought up to believe that obviously I have to keep doing more than others mm-hmm. in order to actually be able to get the same result or even be- on better result. Yeah. So I was forced to basically like keep quiet and keep the pain to myself instead of actually opening up and say, listen, I'm struggling. I can't really process this. Um, so I kept going through college. In sc- um, I, I came straight to college, not high school. Uh, I did college, even my final year as well. I was challenged as well. I was told, you, you're feeling really, you know, you're going to fail this exam, bec- I mean, this um, mm-hmm. class because you're not really, you're underperforming. And I kept saying, like, I'm trying my best. Like, I'm doing everything possible. And he kept telling me, you're a failure. You're the slow end of the curve and things like, not, not intentionally, but because they didn't really. That's what they saw. That, absolutely, absolutely. So I basically started derailing a little bit and I spent more time in the gym then I was actually spending the class. I would be doing press up in the class because I was not really paying attention because I felt like yeah. there was no connection. Um, but to my surprise, again, to prove them wrong, because my parents kept saying, you know, I've not brought you to the UK to make the full of us. Uh, so to prove them wrong again, I got double distinctions. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I did it. Literally just a few months before the finish line. At least um, I know where this resilience comes yeah, from. <laughs> basically. <laughs> so I kind of, it's a lifetime of bloody I've, mindedness. Absolutely. It's like it never ends. There's always that next curve and the next uh, things you have to prove. So, yeah. Um, I came out of that as well and uh, went into uni, um, which wasn't my really my choice. If I had my way, I would have literally just turn back from yeah. college and go, right, that's it, double distinction, I'm done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but they kept saying, you know, you know, um, you've been the first in the family that actually didn't go past. Uh, didn't go to university. Yeah, didn't go to university. Uh, so I thought, oh, that can't be me again. Come yeah. on, I'm the first child. So I have to like, you know, uh, make that mark. So went into uh, university. I was supposed to do a engineering, but I was like, I saw the first class. I was like, nope, I'm not doing this. No, no, yeah. no way. It's just way too out of my control. Uh, so I saw my friends in the IT department. I go, what are you guys doing exactly? And they go, oh yeah, we're just writing some few codes and you do this and do that. I said, oh, okay. Looks interesting. Right. How do I sign up again? Mm-hmm. They go, oh yeah, just go to this department, fill in the form. I just fill in the form and join the class straight away. Mm-hmm. I was just like, because to me, it was just like, let me just join any bank wagon that can just get me there and just get me a decent result that I can just show my parents and go, I'm done. Um, 
to my surprise, I actually started taking more interest in IT as I, as it slowly went on. And just my final year, I started noticing again, I'm struggling again uh, to process things, especially exams. Mm-hmm. Just my final year, someone recommended to me, say, you might need to get diagnosed. I think you're dyslexic because I've seen you write things in front of me or even text me yeah. and you're missing a few texts or yeah. you write some certain things the wrong way. Um, so if I kind of opened up and said, okay, right, I need help. Where do I go? So they showed me who to speak to and a few consultants. And yeah, finally diagnosed. And they said, you got, you're dyslexic. And I was like, it was just that sense of relief. Yeah. Like now everything actually now makes, makes sense. sense. Um, and since then, I think there's a level, there's a new level of resilience that was actually on, like, that was resurrected that day. Yeah. Um, and to now finish uni, I went through everything finished uni uh well my grades were not the best <laughs> it was a two no, two at the time finished it yeah i finished you know, it i mean um, you think about the level of opportunity for success for mm-hmm. every other student in the class yeah and you were you know if they were on 100 points to success and success is a thousand you were on minus 50 uh, because absolutely. of your um your neuro um the form of neurodiversity yes. that you had mm-hmm. and but you didn't know it that's correct that's correct so is that what the book's about? Tell us about the book. Yeah, so the book basically is um, about, you know, finding yourself because often what you find in life is like you are basically, you're bounded by the society to actually feel like this is the norm. But where, as um, Steve Jobs said, basically he said, everything that you see around you was actually formed by people just like you. So why do you feel like you have to always still stay in that same bracket? Why don't mm-hmm. you just feel different? Just feel alive. Feel like you're here for a purpose. Um, and that's kind of where I kind of found myself because um, I was good at articulating myself around certain subjects. I was good at like influencing people. I was good at like leading people and things like that. But I was not really um, focused on that area. I was focusing more on my weaknesses. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not good at this. I'm not good at that. And and as a result, I was dragging myself into worse conditions mm-hmm. than I would have if I was in, if I was actually embracing my strengths and working on my strengths. So uh, those were kind of the areas I was actually covering in the book. And um, the reason why I also made it, going back to what I said, made it 30 days was because for any other dyslexic person as well, at least the least you can do is just get the book and try to read it for 30 days. Mm-hmm. Um, is it, it's a, is it a, graphical book or is it and is it audio also well, um that, all that, all that hello is, audio audible <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening yeah all, all that is something that we, i mm. plan to do um i was actually thinking of actually trying something different as well for the very first time like try to make a visual so mm-hmm. make like a video to tell the story instead okay yeah so i can actually captivate more audience but at the time obviously i was just looking at the most resource yeah, yeah. um effect, effective way to do it um but what, what i quickly realized at the end of that book basically was if you live your life doing what you're passionate about, you wouldn't even notice it working or developing yourself. Mm. But if you spend your life trying to live someone else's life or pe- what people think is the right way for you, I've seen a lot of people like they do, they nurses and you know, yeah. great jobs and they hate... What your parents want you to be. Absolutely. But they hate it. Yeah. They hate themselves. Even to wake up in the morning, they don't want to get up. Mm-hmm. But for me, if you ask me right now, Alex, get up. 
you don't even have to tell me. I'll be up. <laughs> You're <laughs> I mean, already up and done a workout. I, I, absolutely. Like five o'clock in the morning, I'm always up every single day. People go, how do you do it? You post, the same person posts. You go to bed at nine o'clock. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how I, you do it. I, no. like, uh, you know, how do you, how do you, you know, stay awake posting something with the same person in an interview, the same person like, you know, at the agency and how exactly do you split yourself? In? I said, that's because I'm up from five o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning. I've done everything I need Highly to do. Productive. So by the time it gets to one o'clock, that's when I start doing the more leisure things like getting interviews mm-hmm. done and, you know, putting myself Coming out. Coming in and doing podcasts. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. So it's, you know, so it's all about discipline. It's all about knowing what you want. It's about, you know, having your, your free months plan. People plan for five years. That's too long because a lot can change in five, you know, in mm-hmm. five years. A loved one can actually um, pass away or, some, or you can lose your job or anything yeah. like that. So I just, everything to me is every three months. What can I change in the next three months that help me get closer to my dream? Yeah. And that's kind of all the type of content I've actually put in the book, like how to find yourself. And once you find yourself, how to thrive on being the greatest version of yourself, like your yourself 2.0 kind of thing. And is the, the key to that, finding that purpose, is it, is it about focusing on your strengths or how do you do it? Yeah, so basically it's about identifying, um, identifying the things you actually like to do. Identify the things that you like to do, but uh, you have this perceived um, understanding that it's not of you to do it. So, for example, if you say, oh, I want to like fly to the moon, and the first thing you probably say, think is, hmm, I don't know about that because first I have to like join NASA and I have to do this, you know, curriculum mm-hmm. course and you just talk yourself out of it. Yeah. But if it's something you're actually genuinely passionate about, even if you don't actually Even get if to it, it is flying to the moon. It's exactly. So wherever it is, as long as it's something you're actually passionate about, if you put 100% of your concentration onto that, you'll be able to obviously potentially, even not even get there, or I also have this saying, if you aim for the sky, you fall on the floor. If you aim for the stars, you fall on the clouds. So even if you're not close enough to where exactly you want to go, at least you're in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It's better than actually just wasting your time just saying, well, I can't do this. Yeah, so I'm not even going to try. I'm not even going to try. It's so all it's the like, stuff you learn all Yeah, way, so it's just it? like you find every excuse to talk yourself out of your own ideas. And that, I think, in itself has killed a lot of dreams. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's just basically creating content that people actually, that empowers people and make people actually shift their mindset from, yeah. the, you know, every day, go to school, get a job and live up live after. Now back to business. Mm-hmm. Um, part of your mission in your consultancy is to help businesses maximize their profitability. That's correct. Where is the best place to start? Right. Um, primarily we focus on online, the online space, because uh, as, as you, as we all know, the space is changing very, very quick. And even with the rise of, businesses, the brick and mortar businesses going out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, it's now forcing people to actually start thinking about how to take their business online. Um, and the good thing about that as well is it's actually dis- the internet has actually disrupted the whole e-commerce space, for example, uh, because anyone with a product that is, you know, worth buying basically can just jump on any platform and start selling, yeah. uh, which back in the days, that was almost impossible. The only people that can actually do it were the big the chains. The big guys, yeah. Um, so... That's leverage on its in itself. So if you're saying you've not really got enough marketing budget, you've not really, it's just all that just excuses. There's a lot of things you can actually do, simple steps that if you just continue to do it slowly and slowly, eventually it will all add up. So yeah. like it's like it's like that saying, like a, a little drop of water makes a mighty ocean. Yeah, um, so it, nice. you know it's it's a case of just keep doing it and just be consistent and have a clear goal because 
most of the time when you're working in a, a, a big organization, for example, the, you've got the directors and the shareholders who all they just care about is just numbers, numbers, numbers. We know we need to maximize our revenue. But on the other hand, you sometimes think to yourself, what's the objective of, the, of this campaign? Is it mm. to actually make money or to actually create a memorable brand? Yeah. So if I, if I scream Tesco, something comes to your mind, right? Yep. You budget. can see, you can, yeah. <laughs> so if I scream like Asda, basically something similar comes to your Even mind. Even more budget. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, which is why I, I, I say to people like, you know, let's stop using those big technical jargon, like, you know, let's simplify things. And the more you actually simplify it, the quicker you'll be able to get the results you need. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So what are the, uh, you talk about touch points hmm. um, and there's eight of them. Yes. What are they and what right. do they do? <laughs> okay. Right. So um, there's, there's um, for big organizations, probably to be eight, but any smaller organizations probably be like around four. Okay. And the four probably is really like the first step is maybe to, you need to add. What is the touch point? The touch points basically means like the customer buying journey. Okay. So if you, if you, for example, if you market into someone, Okay. Uh, which I'm sure you probably seen a lot. Yeah. Um, on Facebook, you see people go buy now, buy now, buy now, buy now. I can yeah. guarantee you don't get any sale. Why? Because you're on a platform where people are actually socializing. They, you know, liking all the, you know, the cute cats and the cute dog and the cute puppy <laughs> and everything. And they don't really, they, you know, they there from after a very stressful day, you mm-hmm. know, trying to just, you know, on just take off the stress and obviously yeah. look at focus on other things and you're there trying to continue to do what sell to them they're not interested but in the other on the other hand if you actually do a, a point a uh, touch point called attract yeah so if you're attracting you're basically not selling to them you you know you create contents that actually attracts them so for example put it you know if you're a, a pet supply company put a, a cute puppy that's actually you know having a great time mm-hmm. you say me me at work at 9 a.m., basically like all a little puppy all suited up and you know, yeah. all suited and booted. Yeah. And me at um, 6 p.m., a, a puppy just literally sliding <laughs> sliding down the couch and obviously like, and just watching TV. And that is something they can actually connect with. And from there, slowly over a certain period of time, they start to trust your brand because they feel like they so, you have that level of connection. Mm-hmm. And when you actually then try to, um, sorry, when you actually down, get them to the next level, which is basically you attract them, uh, basically, then the next stage is basically you delight them, and when mm-hmm. you actually when you mean delight them, basically make them feel like they want more of your content, and then you basically convert them. So when you actually convert them, that's basically when you now try to sell to them. But you can see that 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 process actually been turned around, mm-hmm. and if you do that and get them to that stage, what most people actually do is like they go, okay, right, I've sold to them now, bye. But that's the biggest mistake again. Yeah, you can still resell to the same person. Because you can actually still be getting about 20% ret- uh, repeat business from those same customers. And it can also be your biggest evangelist. Meaning if they like what they bought from yeah. yourself and love the experience, they will tell your, their... They're you know, your advertising. Absolutely. absolutely they're <laughs> yeah, your they're advertising your machine. So basically, so obviously after you've actually done that, then you take them to the next touch point, which is basically you basically do repeat business. A lot of agencies or a lot of marketing gurus probably have different concepts around this. But from my experience, it's that simple. Yeah. There's no point over complicating anything. It's literally that simple. So what a typical eight points will actually look like in the real world is you put content out there that people like. They get to the next level, which is they engage with your content. And then you take them to the next stage, which is saying, 
Right. You see, for this particular thing you're actually watching, we've got product that can actually solve a problem that you know they genuinely want because you need to segment your target audience. You need mm-hmm. to know your, your your customer persona. You need to know exactly who they are. They're not suited and booted people. They're not corporates. They're not, you know, you have to kind of yeah. have that clear distinction. What age difference and Down everything. Down to the individual. Uh, absolutely. And once you actually do that, then you attract them, get them to actually buy from you. Once they bought from you, then retarget them for different reasons. So how do you touch base with them? For example, if it's a retail um, business, if I've if you bought a product from me, I'll do something I call the 24, uh, 3 days, 7 days, 14 days, and 30 days strategy. And mm-hmm. what does that mean? What does, what does that look like? So if you've bought something from me now, I'll basically um, email you within that period, within 24 hours. Then three days later again, I'll email you. Still around that product, because if you take them out of subject, you've lost them there. Still around that product. Then seven days later, I'll ask you for a review to say, what do you think about our product? Because mm-hmm. you're giving them enough time to actually patronize reflect. your service, yeah. reflect. You know, they've got the delivery. Hopefully it's got on time. And then 14 days later, ask them for something similar to that same thing. Maybe, sorry, excuse me. Maybe incorporate a blog that actually relates to that item that you just bought. And then 30 days later, contact them again. And what happens there is between day zero to day 30, people get paid. So the chances are in between that touch point, mm-hmm. they might actually reconnect to you again and actually do a repeat Do buy. something else. Yeah, nice. So which businesses are experts and who does this well? Right. Can we yes. talk about some examples um, to bring it to life? So a good example, as everyone probably knows at this uh, moment, basically, is Amazon. <laughs> they are customer obsessed. They don't care yeah. about the um, the retailers. They don't care about what you're selling. As long as you can actually meet their customers' demand, happy days. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone is in business. And that in itself basically shows you that if you're customer-obsessed and not profit-driven, profit obviously keeps the business afloat. But if you're yeah. actually customer-obsessed and you try to get to the bottom of exactly what your customers want, some of them are actually realistic. Like, for example, if they say, you know, I want to deliver in 24 hours, that's yeah. achievable. But when they say I want to deliver in one hour, which is what uh, Amazon is now actually um, driving for, yeah, that becomes very challenging. That's something that only a big organization like Amazon can actually pull off. But as a small business there are still some realistic goals you can actually set yourself based on the customer's requirements. Mm-hmm. And if you can actually meet that, the customers will continue to actually buy from you time and time again. And um, who doesn't do it so well? Is there any horror stories that you've seen uh, out there where <laughs> you've, went, you've um, just watched it and went, oh my Lord, what uh, are they doing? Don't know if you can name any. <laughs> well, I probably don't want to name or shame, but most of the time, uh, the people that actually do it really, really wrong are... Uh, Business that also have like brick and mortar. Okay. So they tend to um, have this idea of like, oh, we only have this exclusively online and we have this exclusively on, in, in, store. in store. And that in itself is a very, very mixed, misleading information because what ends up happening is the moment you give me any other reason to actually shop anywhere else, you've lost me. Mm-hmm. Because the, whilst I'm actually in your shop, I've got a mobile, I'm on the internet, okay? I type in Amazon, I compare the price to your price and I'm out. Yeah. So I see it in store, in your store. And then I just go on Amazon and just buy it. and Because they can deliver it in a day. You're Absol- not really absolutely. having to wait. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, let's talk about um, one of the more recent favourite topics. Um, this year it was Brexit. Last year it was GDPR. Yes, that is correct. <laughs> um, how 
has that changed things for SMEs? Is it more difficult now to market to new customers or how has that impacted the journey that you've just described? Well, uh, it's drastically changed the industry, actually. Um, but the first thing I always tell people like to actually remember is like the actual GDPR itself actually is in place to replace the previous um, privacy law, mm-hmm. uh, Data Protection Act, basically, at the time. Um and all it is basically is just saying if you hold any sensitive information about a person, so that could actually mean any EU citizen, to be precise. So that could mean like their contact details, their name, their anything that actually has like a persona about who exactly they are. Uh, basically, you should actually process it in a way where it's not abused. You don't share it with third parties. You only use it for sole purpose of what you actually requested mm-hmm. it for. You have to be very clear exactly what you're doing. You don't lock them in give them the option to actually opt out whenever they actually choose to. If they request for their data as well, make it readily available. Yeah. And that is how they ask. So if you are an organization that already had the data well before that, actually we had a customer who actually had about 60,000 data Mm -hmm. of customers that have actually been with them for over 12 years. And they said, so what do we do with this data? Do we just bin it and start all over again? I go, no, like, why would you want to do that? Um, and all you just have to do basically at that time, basically, is if you're revisiting the data, send out a email to everyone to say, would you like to, you know, opt in or opt out? Mm-hmm. And these are the type of content we are going to be sharing. So obviously, you just don't ask them a question and leave it there because that's another mistake you make as well. If you just tell them, right, would you like to opt in or opt out? Obviously, yeah. I'll just go out. <laughs> you know? yeah. um, so Or not reply and so you reply. still don't have an answer. Uh, absolutely. Or you can get people in the fence. Um, and data are worth about 12 years old. The chances mm-hmm. are people have changed their emails yeah. and so there will be a lot of bounce back. So the first mistake they actually made was they tried to do it themselves. So they <laughs> sent the email out, they put it on MailChimp and yeah. literally the account got closed because there was a lot of bounce back and a lot of um, negative people putting Feedback. in the spam and mm-hmm. things like that. So there's a way you have to do it. There's a soft approach to it and you have to just send it to them and actually ask them to engage in a certain way mm-hmm. to opt in and still give them the option to also opt out anytime they see fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is kind of how you actually process that data. There's a lot of gray areas around this um, because people go, well, if I, if I, if I sold something to you and I don't keep your data after selling it, what if there is a, like a breach to the website mm-hmm. and I need to notify you? How do I notify you? Yeah. You know? So it's like, that's why we keep saying to them, like do, just because it says do it this way, it doesn't necessarily mean, you should literally, every data you use, shred it. Every data you use, shred it. It basically just process it in, a, yeah. in compliance with the GDPR law. Yeah. And that's all there is. So don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple. <laughs> and just keep, you know. That's your keep mantra. It keep well, it simple. <laughs> keep it simple. Yeah. Well, it's a good one to live by. Um, so last week we had a couple of guests on who were sharing their stories uh, about coming out in tech and their journeys as LGBT uh, members of the tech community. Um, and there's no secret that Diversity is something that really challenges the tech world. Absolutely. Um, we're definitely lagging behind how society is represented in a number of different strands, race, gender, uh, neurodiversity, um, all of those things and more. Um, what is your experience of it? I mean, sounds like the whole job application process may have been impacted by that. Or what are your thoughts? And what yeah. does the industry have to do to improve? Well, um, in my time, basically, well, I'll probably say from my my personal experience. In my time, when I when I was applying for jobs, or even before we even graduated, some people mm-hmm. actually left the class, and they left the actual course yeah. because they actually had a job. 
uh, they got a job even without even finishing the IT course. But yeah. how did they actually get it when I actually tried to contact them for, you know, advice on how do I have to go about mm-hmm. getting a job? They said, first of all, um, they've got relatives that already work in the organization. Okay. So it, it makes Referrals. it a lot, yeah. So it yeah. kind of make the a lot in, uh, a lot easier. But well, when I actually reflect back on it now, I can see the reason why that was. Because for example, for someone that actually lived in Africa for a little while and came down here, I don't have any relatives in those kind of space. And even mm-hmm. if I do, they're actually not in a position of actually reaching out to actually help anybody else because they're still trying to even do keep their, their own thing. job. You know, they're yeah. still trying to even keep their job. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, they're still trying to make sure they don't do anything that actually like, you know, puts them, their position basically in, in, um, in a compromising situation. So what can actually be done to actually make this any better? Uh, in my opinion, it's basically like just giving people the opportunity to actually show you how 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 far we can actually go when we actually have this level of inclusion. Like mm-hmm. you've seen things from every aspect. It's like um it's like a soft uh, sorry a email IT support company I was actually mm-hmm. uh, consulting the other day, and one of their customers basically she fell for one of these um, scam where someone goes, oh I've got this gold mine in Africa and I need to really <laughs> and I need to really? like uh, <laughs> I would actually expect if I could still fall for things like that in today's world oh, dear. Um, and you know and things that actually happened and yeah, the first thing that you know the, the IT advisor actually said was you were stupid enough to actually like let that happen mm-hmm. and even the advice he actually gave on like how to mitigate that from happening next time was not really kind of helpful mm-hmm. but I've in a situation like that, I thought if they actually had an IT person that actually has that level of experience because they're actually exposed to this type of information almost every single day, mm. they would actually be able to advise them in a more uh, in a more profound manner, in a more... Relatable. Care, yeah, relatable manner, if that kind of makes sense. Uh, if that's actually... Yeah, that is the right word, actually. Um, and that kind of makes it easier to actually retain more customers. Yeah. But when you actually, you know... Don't you have that kind of narrow narrow approach to it? It kind of just makes the job difficult in itself. But you know, I'm just I'm just a tiny guy in a big world. So, <laughs> it's but if so, we all do a little bit, yeah. Like, every, as you said, a yeah. small one small drop of water, many makes drops a, of water makes a, a mighty ocean. Mighty ocean. Um, and I do certainly agree with that. And I think you're right. Networks do matter. Um, many companies rely on referrals, but if we're all the same, then you will only have referrals exactly the same Absolutely. as you. Absolutely. So it's finding those ways of introducing those new strands yeah. of people from different backgrounds mm-hmm. um, so that, that those referral channels can then start flourishing That's and correct. they can start referring. Fair enough. People like them. Mm-hmm. But that is how we will find that diversity um, within our organisations. That's correct. Um, so we always like to finish the podcast with some top tips. Okay. Um, people will, uh, things that, uh, a few things that people could, you know, after listening to this, um, mm-hmm. go away and action into their businesses. Okay. Um, so what would be your top tips um, to maximise profit? Right. Uh, the first one for me will probably be um, get on to, get on to using videos within your content. Mm-hmm. Uh, reason being because people actually don't really have time to read anymore. Uh, we live in a generation Some where... Some people uh, don't prefer to read? Well, that that is true, but you probably... Uh, it's, we're looking at a case of majority. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, sorry. People don't prefer to read. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a case of like, you know, 
try to understand the type of audience you have to dealing with. People are very impatient. If so, if I come into a website and the website does not load in three to four seconds, I'm out. Yeah. And that's 99% of people. Um, so if you probably find ways to actually put your content together in a way where it's visual, it's uh, verbal, and potentially it's also readable as well. Mm-hmm. So that way you're actually reaching free type of audience. Customer, yeah. Um, uh, and that way you get far more reach than you would if you had to just went the traditional way doing what everybody else is doing that's mm-hmm. way, one way to stay ahead of the curve and doing videos are actually not as expensive as people actually think it is in today's world we have a lot of mobile phones that can do far more um, great quality videos mm-hmm. in comparison to the traditional you know DJI cameras um, so they can start there it doesn't have to be top tech um, item uh, the second one is probably educate people more because you have two type of um, content uh, especially when people are trying to market themselves, you have the transactional content and you have, you have the educational content. So the difference basically is transactional content is someone typing on Google iPhone 11 plus. Yeah. That usually means they either want to make a buying decision or they're looking for information to actually help them make that buying decision. And on the other hand, the educational one will be like the how-to guide. Mm-hmm. So how to do this, how to do that. Oh yeah, and, I love one of those. Yeah, and that's actually usually more like a long-term strategy because if you do it correctly you can actually also be captivating data from that because you're actually voluntarily asking people to actually put in their email to download mm-hmm. the full script and it, whilst they're doing that you also put it in your disclaimer saying you can actually um would it be okay to get similar content moving forward and they say yes that you already, you know you're filling in your email email list that way um the last one i'll probably um encourage people to actually do is Make your content voice search friendly. Okay. Uh, the reason why I said that is because if you probably think about it, you got Siri, you got Alexa, you yeah. got uh, um, Amazon Echo. So the, the the world is moving to a, a phase where people are literally too busy. So most of the time, a mom comes in, she's got a lot of bags in her hands, she's yeah. opened the door, she's got the kids running around, and the last thing she wants to actually do is bring out a mobile phone. Yeah. That's where smart smart objects actually come. I mean, smart voice actually come in and they use that to actually place others. They use that to set reminders and everything. They use that to ask questions. So if you can actually put your content in that direction, you're more likely to be tapping into a new type of audience mm-hmm. that, you know, you wouldn't have been able to tap into previously. And the last one would probably be mobile speed. Okay. Mobile speed is very important. Uh, don't overlook it because people are very, very impatient today. Um, and even there's a... There's an article I read the other day where they said um, if your website doesn't load within two seconds, is a new <laughs> We just standard. assume it's broken, <laughs> yeah. don't we? It must be broken. I'll just go to the next it, one. So, because with the, with, the, uh, with the introduction of 5G, which yeah. at the moment is not fully 5G. <laughs> no, trust Hang me. on. Like 4G, uh, isn't yeah, 4G it? 4G with 4G with an e. Four, 4G with the E, not the, L, the LTE kind yeah. of thing. Um, 4G, on the, 4G on the edge, basically. Um, but I think the real 5G probably should be in the UK. Um, I think they're um, predicting about 2025. Mm-hmm. So start preparing for it. Start preparing for it because don't wait till the actual day to, you know, if you're if you're a sprinter, you don't actually wait till the actual day to start training. You mm-hmm. actually start training beforehand to, for the big day. So um, if you can actually start putting your content in those environments and start putting your platforms in a very speed and very quick to access mm-hmm. um, approach, then I think you definitely have an upper hand and you don't have to be a big business to position yourself in that, in that direction. 
I've um, really enjoyed this chat, Alex. Oh, I think we've covered um, both professional and personal um, how to maximize not just your profit but mm-hmm. your life as well. Yes. Um, so thank you for sharing your oh. insight and um, and your personal story as well. Thank you for your candor. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, if you are looking at ways to help maximize your profit and um, looking at innovative ways to be able to do that through your online and have been struggling with it, we hope that that advice might give you a better night's sleep. Thank you. Pray.